If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You ready to check your feelings at the door? Check it out. Check it out. This is Am I Reister or Am I Wrong? We're bringing you facts and only the truth. Now, Am I Reister or Am I Wrong? NBA hard fouls are drawing the ire of fans and all these damn reviews are on our nerves. Ryan Tannehill does not want to be a mentor for Malik Willis. It is super weak to act like that about a third round pick. Uh, And new segment, top five today. Top five comedians of all time because Dave Chappelle is in the news because he got tackled by a fan during Netflix is a joke out here at the Hollywood Bowl. And may the fourth be with you. It's so corny. I get it. Lame, lame, lame. And Roe versus Wade. Hmm. The country is divided again. Go go figure. Uh, I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amson. And this is Reister or Wrong, the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet the truth. So we'll start. NBA, hard fouls. Like, the definition of a hard foul, Ralph, has completely changed from the 80s, where you used to literally be able to get a common foul for just clotheslining a dude, and then he'll get up and punch you. But now these dudes, every time they get touched, they lay on the floor like they like they would die in a pillow fight, dude. And it is annoying. It is I I, I can't tell you how much the lay on the floor and like peek out the corner of your eye, like, oh, oh, are they reviewing it? Are they reviewing it? Hopefully, hopefully they call a flagrant. I can't. I can't do it, bro. It's super weak. It is soccer culture invading the NBA, and it's it's a waste. It's a waste of energy. It's a waste of time, and fans hate it. Okay, so then what is a fractured elbow? That's different. Now, now this play, 
by Dylan Brooks on Gary Payton Jr. Right the seal. It Payton mattered. right down the middle. He's oh. fouled hard. Look at that dirty play. Yeah, Payton's oh, in pain. He's grabbing the left arm. in the air like that. Super bad. Look at that. It was right at the end. So Morant grabbed him. Jr., Gary Payton the second, excuse me, has a fractured elbow, and he had good reason to be laying on the ground. I can accept that. Okay. Any words for your Oregon boy? Yeah, he was dead ass wrong. He okay. was dead ass wrong the same way he was when, when he did that ridiculous flop. The worst flop of all time. <laughs> True. Are we are we as mad at Dylan Brooks if Gary Payton gets up right away? No. No. No, because the the results matter, dude. The results matter. If I do something stupid and I discharge a gun trying to be funny or trying to be cool, like twirling it around and it discharges, then and it just goes through a wall, no problem. You know, stupid, stupid thing that you did. Now, if it hit somebody, that's a different level because it was still a mistake. If it hit somebody and killed somebody, now we have escalated. So it's like, yes, sometimes the the result matters as far as the punishment goes. Okay, so the it's pretty common of the NBA to, or any sport really, to react in such a way that they believe protects all players, right? So yeah. you had rules change after Tom Brady's ACL. Um, that's probably the most notable example, but it's, again, it's, it's very common to see a league make an adjustment to try to prevent something that was probably a one-off, but you will see that pendulum swing. You'll see a massive overreaction. And you, before we started recording, brought up an idea that I find to be rather controversial. Would you like to share it? Yeah. I've sa I said it last night on my radio show, too, that if you hurt a player with a dirty play, that you should be out as long as the player is out that you hurt. So, so like Dylan Brooks should be out until Gary Payton the, the second can play again. Okay, so then that drives us into really strange territory over what is or isn't dirty. And flagrant, I just want to point a out flagrant the, two. If it's a flagrant two or or worse, then absolutely you are out. Okay. Now, flagrant two, just like a flagrant one, which can be retroactively assessed. Yep. We saw that after Jose Alvarado um, got kicked by Chris Paul, which is another topic <laughs> for another day. That you uh, didn't even know. You and I were on the phone yesterday, and I said, I don't believe that anybody that kicks anybody while already in the air is making a decision to be that on target. And you sent me like eight straight minutes of Chris Paul being dirty. And I, and I was kind of forced to reconcile with, <laughs> with whether or not that's possible. But I do think that like, if you jump and you end up kicking somebody who was a trailing defender, that for the most part, it's incidental. And I'm talking about Jay Crowder kicking Luka Doncic. I'm talking about Chris Paul kicking Jose Alvarado. And I'm not just sticking up for the Suns fans too. I, I'm saying if that yeah, was to happen are. to the Suns, I think when you're in the air, I just, 
I, I just bro, think that bro, oh, it I comes down to be you, judgment. I promise you that you can control that. Like you, you may not be hundred <laughs> percent on target, but you know what you're trying to do. You you're you're trying to be slick and make a kick look look natural to where you're kind of off balancing. Like whoa, and it just so so happens, bro. The, they've been working on this in their mind for a while. They are professionals. I, I know. I just do. think that it's there's there's an element of judgment in there where they've gone back and assessed people flagrants after the fact, moved something from a flagrant one to a two or from a two back down to a one. The other day we saw the whole internet go crazy defending Draymond Green for hitting somebody in the face, then pulling them down by the jersey, which that has to be a flagrant too. No way. That should not have been a flagrant too, dude. He when he grabbed hitting his- somebody in the face should be a flagrant one. Grabbing the jersey should be a flagrant one. I'm adding one and one here. No, that's one not one the makes flagrant two. math works. Trying to hold and the guy trying to hold the guy up at the end happened after he hit someone and then grabbed their jersey. Again, hit someone in the face. He was trying to block the then, shot, bro. It wasn't dirty. He just missed. But if it's a kick, he's definitely controlling it. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nobody can control their wacky waving arms. <laughs> I don't know, but would you would you agree that this is but this is uh this is playoff basketball? Like it's kind of always been yeah. physical, and if you're not yeah, built for the physical like part the way, of it, yeah, I mean they already don't call fouls at a higher level, which I love. Mm-hmm. The NBA should be like this on an every night basis. Now you you especially love it because it exposes James Harden, who is your nemesis, and I understand that. But I spent a long time as a Suns fan who's seven seconds or less era never matched the physicality of the San Antonio Spurs. And it caused them to be bounced from the playoffs repeatedly. And it took me a long time to see the value of having villains on your team. And now the Suns have Jay Crowder. They have Chris Paul. Um, JaVale McGee's not soft and it allows your stars to kind of be stars. Yep. Um, So you, you do need that. You need that that element of physicality. And so I don't think Draymond's a bad guy. I I really don't. Maybe 10 years ago I would have, but I don't. So do you like the the way the NBA is trending with, you know, players being like dying in pillow fights anytime somebody touches them? Okay, so you're talking about the showmanship aspect of it. Well, well, I think that and and just it like what a flagrant one is now. Well, I definitely don't like that. I, I definitely don't like that, but the whole creation of the flagrant one and two and being able to review it was to say that like intent, right? Gives you the uh, yeah. intent and the result gives you the, the flagrant two. I, I look at the NBA and I see them trying. And I also remember the era in which um, Vladi Divac was drawn three fouls a game off of straight flops. Oh my right? God, bro. And so bro, the NBA I, I came in. No, go on. They try to penalize it. They try, yeah. try to penalize it. And I think that if you're reviewing flagrant ones, flagrant twos, if you go back and you review that someone faked their way into a foul, that you find the team. Maybe oh, maybe God, the individual yes. player. I don't know about that, but like, yes, bro. but like the team for sure. Oh, 100%. And I wish the referees would turn around and be like, get your ass up. <laughs> get your and it's, ass it up. It is the, I'm starting to like soccer more and more. Um, especially like the crowd energy. Uh, and there's a lot about soccer that I'm really starting to enjoy. It is, it is n- near impossible for me to get into it in the way that I'm into other sports 
because of a life of watching men flop. Now, women's soccer, I don't have that much of a yeah, yeah. And a version they don't because do that and, there's not as much room for that. And and Asian soccer. Like so when you see the national teams from Korea, Japan, China, they don't they don't fall on the ground like that, bro. It's 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 a European and now an American thing. It's whack. Um Yeah, and I I don't want the NBA to become to become that to where to where the showmanship is oh, it's all, it, it's so much here, part bro. of the game that like but who who do you think would be penalized the most? Besides Chris Paul, Trey Trey Young, Trey, Trey oh, Young, no, oh my God, uh, Marcus Smart, Marcus Smart would be the number one offender. You think he's the biggest flopper? Oh, but it, it is not close. Him, Trey Young are at the top of the are at the top of the pile. All right, bro. well, you know the league would be getting in your boy's pocketbook too. Who, LeBron? Man, if you don't get out of here, LeBron. LeBron would just muscle through people because he 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 gets fouled so much that he has to do it just to get the occasional foul. It's like it's like Giannis. Giannis gets hacked all day, and they don't call fouls. So Giannis yes, also he, hacks yes, all day he when he has the ball in his hand. Yes, he also <laughs> runs people over because. But then it's like a, a give and take. So it is what it is. Uh, there's no giving from Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill, quarterback for the Tennessee Titans, he came out in the press conference yesterday and sounded soft. S-O-F, capital T. I did like the fact that he said that uh, when Malik Willis got drafted at number 86 in the third round, he did call him, like, welcome to the team, like he did Mm -hmm. the other guys. But then he came out and said, it's not my job to mentor Malik Willis. And to me, that sounded super soft. He might as well have said, I don't want to be a team player. I don't want to be a team player. Because he would mentor anybody else on the team. And Malik Willis is a third-round draft pick. He's not a first or a second-round draft pick. They didn't bring him in to play right now. And truthfully, the Titans are in a position is you draft Malik Willis in the third round. And all that says is, Ryan, we we still want you to be the starting quarterback. We want you to play lights out. That way this dude never has to play. That's what third-round yeah. quarterback says. We don't even want him to play. You play lights out. So the And then he said, oh, they didn't call and tell me. They don't need to call and tell you about a third-round pick. Like, you're not Aaron Rodgers. You're not Tom Brady. You are not an elite quarterback, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, any of those dudes, if you take a first-round quarterback, you should probably be like, hey, yo, I'm going to give you a heads up on this. Just, you know, this could happen. Yeah. But but Ryan Tannehill? Come on, bro. Like, this, I don't even understand, like, the level of softness of being threatened by this. And this is the problem with quarterback sometimes. Quarterback is the only position that if they draft another – well. Kicker, I guess, kicker and punter too. But that if they draft somebody at your position, it's like, ooh, oh my God. The, the you you hurt my feelings. And everybody else in the league is like, duh, this is normal common practice. I agree with you. And I think Malik Willis is probably too classy to say what I might have said in that situation, which is 
damn, I was really looking forward to learning more about handing the ball off. <laughs> because Ryan Tannehill is great at uh, <laughs> that. Or he could have said, like, shoot, I was looking forward to somebody uh, incorrectly teaching me the difference between the AFC and the NFC. If you remember Ryan Tannehill's uh, run on hard knocks where he didn't know anything about the NFL after being drafted, which was fascinating. I, I loved that because it was an illustration of one of the things that I tell people when I do stuff with recruiting reporting. It's like, these kids aren't watching football like you, no. <laughs> like, no. but to be in the NFL and not know how the NFL works was pretty incredible on the level of Donovan McNabb not knowing overtime rules. Um, the other thing is Ryan Tannehill had a really, really, really good 2020. Yes. He regressed this last year. Malik Willis was mocked as high as six to the Panthers, ends up falling to the third round. I consider that to be a good pick and a good investment. And if quarterbacks have learned anything, um, if anybody in the NFL has learned anything, it's that the team can only go so far as everyone on the team is prepared to take it. Yeah. Right. Carson Wentz is going to be a Super Bowl champion for the rest of his life because Nick Foles was prepared to carry them across the finish line when he was not able. There is nothing saying that Ryan Tannehill is going to make it to the end of the season healthy. His yep. workhorse running back didn't last year. Yep. And so the best way for your team to succeed and the best way for you to portray yourself as a leader of that team is to make sure that everybody around you is prepared to win. Call that mentorship, call it whatever you want. If you are not doing your best to make sure that everybody is on the same page in the event that you can't lift your section of the team across the finish line, then you're not doing your job. Yep. I remember Kyle Brady when I first got to the NFL. Kyle used to like celebrate when I would do something good. And I was like, yo, bro, I put him aside one day. I was like, I don't understand. Is this some Jedi mind trick? Because I'm trying to take your job. But you are happy, seemingly and genuinely happy when I do something good. I don't understand. He said, George, you're, you're new to this league. Let me explain to you how this works. Now, yes, you are trying to take my job, but you don't control whether you take my job or not. I control whether you take my job or not. Because if I play lights out, you can't take my job. Mm -hmm. So... Me keeping my stop, my spot is not dependent necessarily on what I do. It's, I'm sorry, it's not dependent necessarily on what you do. It's more dependent on what I do. It would be different if we were physically going across each other. I had to block you or you had to block me and all of that stuff. That's different. But there's no need for us to have an adversarial relationship because just because you do bad, that doesn't mean I'm the tight end here. Because if you do bad and I do bad, they'll get rid of both of us and bring somebody else in that I don't even like. So, so I can cheer for you because I can celebrate your successes and just know that my plan is to have my successes be better than yours. Right. It's just what, what are some of these quarterbacks thinking that a mentor is? Like, what is it? 
Someone that shows you how to study film, somebody that shows you how to lead a team, be on time, like, like just the small things that you do to be successful in the league. That doesn't. And those don't have to be words. You don't have to sit down and give him a rah rah speech. You could just lead by example. Yeah, like hey, hey, you could say, hey, eyes on me. Here are the thirteen things. Uh, I need you to take care of those. Um, and then, and then, and then, see me next week. I'll give you another list of books to read and uh, articles to read. And then I need a report back. No, like that's kind of standard mentorship. But the reality is just showing somebody the way is because uh, Tannehill was like, "Well, if he picks some stuff up along along the way, that's cool with me." But to come flat out and say it, <clears throat> weak, super weak, corny. Yep. I like Dan Hill, too. This is corny. Very. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players redemption seekers and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars anyone can win relationships matter and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts now it is time for a new segment, top five. <laughs> and top five, we're going to give our top five lists of the day. 
Today, it is the top five comedians of all time. Now, we will go from five to one. I'll start first. And, and But I do have some honorable mentions and some caveats, right? Grew up watching, you know, Sanford and Sons, but I didn't mm-hmm. watch until I got a little bit older, a little bit of Red Fox stand-up, so I'm not fully old enough to fully uh, appreciate. Same with Richard Pryor. I've seen his stand-up. That's how I feel about Richard Pryor. Yeah, like, like I understand that he's the GOAT. Understand all those things. But it also is a little bit before my time. I mean, even early Eddie Murphy is a little bit. I mean, I've seen Delirious five, six times, but it it wasn't, you know, and it's still funny to me. But yes, I'm going to relate to some younger comedians, but I do want to give those guys, you know, their their flowers and their props. So my top five, number five. Ali Wong. As far Ali as a, Wong. Okay, yes, I respect As far as it. a stand-up comedian, she is hella funny. I do the fact that she went up there pregnant. I think Ali Wong is hilarious. I enjoy her stand-ups. Number she made one of the better movies I've seen in the last ten years. Oh, the one with the wait, which one? The romantic comedy, crazy, crazy rich Asians. No no no, 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 no. I know which one you're talking about. Oh my God. I saw it. It's the, uh, oh my God. It's always be my maybe. Yes. Always be my maybe. Yep. That movie That's a was good, good, good movie. Yep. Uh, speaking of good rom-coms, the new one with, with JLo, that one's super good too. And Owen Wilson, that was really good. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really good. Um, uh, my number four, Steve Harvey. Kings of Comedy, Steve Harvey, bro. He was hilarious. Um, number, I cannot three, tell you the amount of time that I wa- I spent watching the Steve Harvey show in high school. Yes. More than any other television program. Because they would put it on from like 10 at night all the way till 3 in the morning on the WB. Just back-to-back episodes. And I would stay up watching all of them. Yep. Uh, number three, Cat Williams. Um, now who are your five, four, and three before we get to two and one? Okay. Uh, my number five is cause he's, he's less of a, he's less of a standup, but he is a comedian. Um, and that is John Stewart. I absolutely oh God, love, I love John uh, Stewart. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I religiously watched the daily show. Yeah. Oh, me too. I, and I don't think I missed an episode for like 15 straight years. Um, which means that, like, just missing the cut for me, like, just missing the cut were two people to come out of that. Maybe three, if you can include um, Stephen Colbert, but John Oliver and Trevor Noah yeah. are also. And even even Michael Che is somebody who I love, who kind of came out of that. He was only there for, like, six months before he got SNL. Yeah. But I do love that the platform that it gave for so many comedians. So yeah. my number five is John Stewart. Uh, my number four is Bernie Mac. Okay. He doesn't need to be funny for me to laugh. And that that's like when he comes out on stage, I'm already laughing. Everything about what, him is funny. The way he carries himself. What am I can cookies? But the, 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 and like the fact that like quotes that I'm not sure he ever even said have been attributed to him. Like I'm not condoning this behavior, but I understand. Yeah. Like I see that meme everywhere, but I don't even know. 
I can't like I don't know if he actually said it. I can't find it anywhere. But like the idea that literally anything said in Bernie Mac's voice uh, voice is <laughs> is incredible. Hey Blue, um, all you do is spin records. That's all you do. Who you think you are, DJ Quick? Kick Capri? Oh, you must be Jimmy Walker. Uh, my number three is Patrice O'Neill. He said he probably told the funniest joke I've ever heard in my life about not littering. Um, they said the reason that he doesn't litter is because what if he throws his diet Pepsi, misses the trash can, it rolls down a hill and like lands next to some white lady. <laughs> He's like, I was, I was trying not to, I was, I was trying to like save time. And now I'm the diet Pepsi killer. <laughs> like, <'cause his laughs> fingerprints are next to a dead body. I just thought, I, I think I'm, I'm, and rest in peace, but like I, he is one of the funniest deliveries, funniest joke writers. Yeah. He, um, I've ever definitely. seen. I absolutely love Patrice O'Neill. He's my number three. My number two, Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart as a stand-up, but also as a hilarious in movies, too. Like, so he has the double dipper. And then my number one is Dave Chappelle, because I'm a... Because uh, while, while I like to laugh, I like, you know, I'm part serious. So I appreciate okay. the the social aspect of it and everything that is not just, you know, pure comedy that I'm a laugh at the end, but, but also any time a Dave Chappelle special or anything, you're going to be talking about it for days, weeks, like, cause he's going to ruffle some feathers on some conversations that people really don't want to have or be honest about. Okay. My number two is Norm McDonald. Okay. Um, he's my, he's just my favorite. Uh, I say he's number two, but he's my favorite. But like he, as a person, he just brings me a lot of joy. His, he has said some of the most offensive things I've ever heard in my life. And he's also said some of the most thoughtful things I've ever heard in my life. He thought it was funny to annoy people. Um, I don't know if you ever saw when he was on the comedy central roast and he did it like 1940s, like terrible joke style. Yes. But that, I love all of his Conan O'Brien segments. I got to see him do stand-up ones. His movies are funny, but also like he was very thoughtful on the topic of, um, of religion and creation and intentionality. And, and it was, is wild to see because so many comedians are all about pushing back against anything that's been established. Right. Yeah. And, and he would wade into like, yeah, but I can understand it. And, and I always appreciated that. My number one is um, when I was 13, I got a book called Brain Droppings and I hid it under my mattress for a whole year. And I would read it every night. Um, and I didn't know this person was a stand-up comedian because what I knew them from was watching Shining Time Station. <laughs> so when I found out that not only were they a comedian, they were one that was full of like, incredibly um, anti-establishment ideas uh, that that was a huge shock to me, but it totally like enveloped my consciousness. And that's George Carlin. George Carlin is my number oh, one. He, he's like, super funny. Far, now, far, far and away. Um, and he's a thinker for sure. I got to be honest. When I was making this list, I felt some kind of way because I was like, I got no white people on my, on my list. And there are some funny white people, right? Um, because if you are there some funny white people, George? Yes, of course. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) No, you, you, you named a couple of them like Rick, Ricky Gervais. I like Ricky Gervais a lot. 
And he's okay. written and created some things that are super good that people don't always know that he's been a part of, too. Now, people wanted to put Jerry Seinfeld on a list like, like this. I didn't watch Seinfeld until like, did I. It, was, it was already off the air by the time that I had seen Seinfeld. So, so it felt weird. I was like, damn, I don't have any white people on this list. I was like, it's not that I don't think that white people are funny. I just think that these people have impacted my life in a funny way a little bit more. Uh, it's also going to be like what's relevant to you, right? Yes. Correct. Correct. Now, speaking of funny men, Dave Chappelle was at the Hollywood Bowl for Netflix as a joke last night. And uh, things got a little too real on on stage. But the crazy part is I the thing that's astonished me more than anything is that there have been there has been more cell phone footage of this than you would ever see from a Dave Chappelle show because they confiscate your phones when you go in there. Have you had your phone bagged? Yes. I had my phone bagged at a Chris Rock show and it was, and at the end of it, I was like, well, I know why. Yeah, exactly. So he was saying wild stuff that he couldn't have said otherwise. And they're testing out jokes and stuff like that. So it's like, it's weird, right? So I was surprised when we even got cell phone footage of this incident. And then here comes Chris Rock on stage taking his first public shot at Will Smith. Uh, was that Will Smith who came up on, on the stage? I thought that that was appropriate. But it, it made me think, though, about... I mean, we, we don't know why this person came up and tackled Dave, Dave Chappelle, but he got his ass whipped, though. His When they showed him on a stretcher, his elbow looked like a bent-back paper clip. Like, bro, that sucker looked dislocated on the wrong way, face beat up. But then all that got me to thinking, Ralph, about comedians in general. Because after Will Smith slapped Chris Rock, people were like, ah, jokes aren't tasteful. You need to watch what you say and all of this, right? Now, I believe that in places where people didn't sign up for that, right? Like, if you go to a comedy club, you are signing, like, you have essentially signed a waiver when you walked in about certain things. You know what I mean? Like, you can banter back and forth with the comedian if he says something that that you didn't like or that was offensive. You could be like, F you, homie. Like, I've seen that that happen. But at a com- when you go to a comedy event, you have signed, especially when certain people are going to be there, you have signed up for potential, you know, laughter or joke at your expense. You have signed up for it. Just like uh, this weekend, I went to go see Matt Franco in Vegas with my son. People who came in late, Matt Franco was laughing at them. (laughs) Was, was, uh, you know, like made made jokes, like lighthearted jokes at their expense. But these are things that you sign up for when you go to shows. Now, places where you didn't, (laughs) like... At an award show, I think you got to be a little more careful because people didn't sign up to be made fun of there, if that makes sense. I guess. It feels like you're trying to toe the line of like, well, I said that Chris Rock needs to be more thoughtful 
And then we watch somebody else rush the stage and get their ass beat. And you're like, but I'm not against that either. (laughs) And first of all, first of all, I think that you would go so far as to say, like, if Will Smith had been inter um, interrupted in his process by security, that I mean, that probably wouldn't have happened because who was going to do that to Will Smith? But yeah. had he been interrupted or intercepted by security in that moment, that would have been appropriate. Facts. Because you can't you can't hit somebody and then go back and sit in your chair even Correct. though he did it. Correct. Right. I want. So hunt. yeah, I <laughs> I don't think there's a theme here. Um, I'm a big music fan. I've been watching people rush the stage forever, trying to like just be part of it or hopped out of their mind on drugs or having their um their decisions influenced by alcohol or just needing attention or being mentally unwell or stressed pretty common there's a reason they have security around stages for people to try to get on the stage steal a moment be remembered whatever like that's that i'm as as being part of like you know music festivals and seeing stuff like i've seen it a million times so for it to happen at a comedy festival i'm like oh that's the thing that's the thing that happens to musicians so i i don't look at it as some like oh now all comedians are in danger of getting rushed because these two different things happened um it was interesting to see chris rock be able to laugh about it yeah hey (laughs) but uh so if he if he's laughing i'm not gonna sweat it but good lord that dude got his ass beat to the point where i kind of felt bad (laughs) hey man play stupid games win stupid prizes now um oh my gosh ah that reminds me got a video for us on friday uh yeah about that but um may the fourth be with you it is may 4th i get it star wars freaks I get it. Freaks. May the fourth be with you. I, I, I get the play on words and all of that. But dare I tell the truth? Dare I tell the truth? Star Wars is solid, right? Solid. Okay. Some of the movies, pretty good, like upper tier movies, right? Yeah. Like it is as a franchise completely overrated. Like completely overrated. Like it is. What does that mean though? What does that mean? That it's not worth the time and energy that people have put into it? Because I, when you say overrated, it's not like people are acting like Star Wars is the Godfather. They are like, like, Hey, on a list of top five movies ever made. Revenge of the Sith. (laughs) We got to do. I've never heard anybody say that. People have Star Wars parties. There's Star Wars uh, conventions. There's like, bro, like it's, it's, it's freaky. It's creepy. It's too much. It's too much. Like it, it, it's cult-like. Like, like, would you agree that there's a facet of Star Wars fans that are involved in a cult or a cult-like behavior? I would say, as a sports fan on a p- partially sports podcast with a former NFL tight end, current like broadcaster with his own sports radio show that it's not that much different. It's just immersing yourself in a, in a, in a fantastic escapism. I, I don't, I don't look at star Wars fandom differently than I look at soccer fandom or basketball fandom or football fandom. 
I would say that what are you my about? limited there are new particip- events every single day in sports. Sports recapture and redo themselves every single day. You will not compare live sports that are reoccurring over and over again to like eight movies, which are, you know, some of them 30, 40 years old almost. Okay, but you could compare it to something like the World Cup. Anticipation, participation, like it it's it's not it's not that much different and i'm not <laughs> no, and i'm not no, super no, no, into no, no. the like one the, thing i've like always said avengers has an appropriate and marvel has like an appropriate level of nah no there are marvel freaks too um here's the deal dude i have two kids who are big time star wars fans right that could turn into four kids that, you know, but for, for the most, I have two yeah. that star Wars is star Wars relatively. Yeah. I would never call myself a star Wars fan because I've seen what a star Wars fan is. Yeah. I don't think it's fair for me to say that I'm a fan when I know what a fan of star Wars looks like. There are a couple of movies that independently I thought were great. Yeah. If rogue one is on or my kids are watching rogue one. I will sit down and I will watch it start to finish. Yep. If we are at the dinner table and my kids want to talk about uh, Clone Wars, I'm going to tell them to shut up because <laughs> I don't care. And there are other things like there, there are other things, you know, um, yeah. but I overrated is an interesting thing because it's like, what are you talking to like critically acclaimed? Are you talking about people are spending too much time and yes. energy on it based yes. on its quality? Yes. Well, I can't speak to that because I'm a Suns and Cardinals fan. So what do you want? Yeah, from true, me? true, true. That's I that, spend time and energy on things that are not worth. <laughs> <laughs> Unless the Suns win this championship, then it's all been worth it. Sorry, bro. They won't be winning this year. <laughs> really? Okay. Yes. They're, they're not winning the championship. The Warriors are winning the championship. There's only one team that can win a championship. I mean, granted, Gary Payton II being out is going to hurt. But they're still going to win a championship. Sorry. Okay. You came. You saw. You. Hey, a back-to-back Western Conference Finals. This is big for a poverty franchise. What? Um, so, what is your favorite? What is your favorite element of the Star Wars universe that you think is so overrated? What do you actually enjoy about it? It's entertaining. Okay, but like, is there a specific character or movie? Like, what what are some things oh. about it that you actually independently like that you don't let other people steal your joy because they like it more than you? I like Darth Vader a lot, as um, any Lakers fan would. Yes. Why is that? I don't understand. What do, what does a Lakers fan have to do with a, a Darth Vader? Evil Empire. I thought that was the Yankees. Um, I did. I did used to like the Yankees some when I was. Young. I know. <laughs> yep. Um, okay. Okay. Um, so just Darth Vader as a character. Any yeah. favorite movie? Any anything oh, like that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I like Return of the Jedi. Okay. And um, and um, Episode One. And I, mean, I can also confidently say that if lightsabers were real, you would own one. Hell yeah. Are you kidding me? If lightsabers were real, bro, I would be I would be the number one lightsaber owner. 
right. Well, well, actually, no, I would not be number one because Star Wars freaks would be number one through a fifty thousand, and I'd be like fifty. But you would you would have one in Oregon green, that's for sure. Uh, or or blue, it just wouldn't be red. Okay. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, all right, final thing up today. Roe versus Wade has caused a big funk in the country because they um politico put out a a um they had gotten their hands on a you know on a how how would you label it like a potential opinion De- a definite opi- definite opinion see i don't know if you're allowed to change your mind after you make up a draft like i don't know if anybody's so much on the fence about a legal decision that once you come up with the rough draft of that decision to send around and make edits that at the end of the day you read somebody else's argument and you change your vote like yeah i didn't even know that's how it worked and it's got me a little bit weirded out that like what do you mean you just put it out there that this is how you're going to vote and then maybe you change your mind over the next few months yeah. but 
what Politico has is they have a draft of a 5-4 decision effectively overturning Roe versus Wade, which is a 1970 court decision that uh, that basically says that states do not have the ability to individually mandate what uh, access to abortion or the legality of abortion. So some people say it's a state's rights issue. Some people say that it's Listen, a women's rights issue. I There is a term that I absolutely hate. Could not hate it anymore. And that's the term pro-life. Right? Because pro-life ins- like, insinuates that you care about life in general. Right? But a lot of people who say that they are quote-unquote pro-life are really just pro-birth. They're pro-birth because they don't give a shit what happens to you after you're born. Like, like if you are born into a bad situation or bad, born into horrible circumstances or can't get a good quality education, or they, they don't give a shit after that. They're, they're pro-birth. And now me, I am pro-birth. However, at that same point, I and I'm a Christian man, pro-birth. However... However, I do believe that people should have the right to make their own decisions. And it's not my job to be able to 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 decide what they should be, what people should be able to do with their bodies, because there are so many circumstances in the in the situation. So it's not my job. You need to take that up with God. If that's what you decide to do, it's not my job to judge you. So while I feel one way about it, I also am like. Listen, that ain't that ain't my problem, fam. That's not my problem. You got to take that up with with God. So I don't. So so I hate this for two reasons. That's the first reason. Second reason is readjudicating things that have been resolved already, like like this. I mean, are we then able to talk to, to talk about you know? Uh, Black people as 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 equals in, in in the country, women's rights to vote are those things back up on the table to be negotiated again too. So so while people <clears throat> like this is a religious issue for a lot of people, I don't think that they understand the slippery slope that this creates because you want to come for this. Okay, how about if the wrong people or the right people get in charge, depending on how you look at it? And they're like, ah, we need we need all these guns to come back. I mean, like you can like now you have created such a slippery slope that that now anything is back on the table. And just because you may win this fight, you may lose one like they're going to come for you on the back end for something else. Yes. Um, man, so not a female, uh, not a, not a legislator. I'm, I'm also a Christian. Um, but the cool thing about the Bible for me has always been that it is, um, something that has provided us a roadmap of some of the mistakes that people have made over the course of human history as far as working as hard as they can to move into a system of law and away from a system of being uh, led to 
to, to love your neighbor and understand the temporary nature of, of life on earth. Right. And, and this is going to get into the weeds a little bit, but in the old Testament, they had a system of judges and they wanted Kings. They wanted somebody to fight battles on their behalf. And so they were given Kings and those Kings oppressed them. You know, uh, they greeted Jesus as a liberator riding into town on a donkey who was going to help usher in a season of uh, law that would support them and free them from persecution. And when they found out that that's not who he was, they killed him. Yep. So I see Christians making this misstep that was, that has been outlined for us time and time and time again, that like our insecurity about our short time on earth is going to lead us to fight for a more comfortable existence for our beliefs and values. And I think that when we were told to love our neighbor, that that is something that, that should be at the forefront of every single thing um, that we do and every single decision that we make and every single bit of legislation that we support or don't support. And I'm afraid for a lot of women across the country um, right now who uh, are wondering if, you know, retroactively, if they're going to be dragged out in handcuffs or classified in some way as a, as a criminal um, for decisions that they made that, you know, Oh, could have oh, involved and there's their- a lot of uh, see in, and, and, and here's the truth. There are a lot of men who are fighting against this and a lot of women who don't know what their sons and daughters have done, you know, or, and, and that's, that's and, a reason that's a re unfortunately and people, keep a lot secrets. of like, and people are yeah, keeping and, secrets like who aren't being genuine about it or they did it. And they're like, well, I feel bad about what I did and blah, blah, blah. Listen, man, you got to let people make their own choices. And the idea that we're going to drag people out into the street for stuff like that, it's, it's gross. And, and, and this is a, this is fostered by an environment of judgment, George. Am I going to be a slut shunned out in the open or am I going to be quietly what you would think a murderer would be, but you're never going to find out. And you have so many, systems set up within church environments all around the country that encourage people to cover things up and keep secrets in order to keep their standing from people who follow a book in which time after time, people who have made the worst of mistakes are exalted and amazing things are done through them. Like yeah. we, we do, we do not have a church environment that is ready to, Embra- there are 8 million children in orphanages worldwide and people calling for the criminalization of an act that they're not doing anything to support yep. what they would like to see these actual children being born. There's a million different steps that we could take before we even get into this position. And I'm extraordinarily uncomfortable with legislating as a man, anything that tells a woman what she could do or she, she she could be or retroactively taking anything away. And I think about my, you know, my, here's my personal experience, right? My mother got pregnant the day after high school ended. She's Catholic. Um, she decided 
to make it work, right? It didn't. But things between her and my father, they didn't work out. Uh, my mother died a few years later, taking me to a play date, trying to do everything right, right? In front of me. This is the thing that I remember. It's part of my life, part of my origin story. Uh, my mother loved me very much, and she is not here anymore. And any time that I think about this subject, I think about the fact that Ask me if I would trade. Okay. Would you? For the potential for her to be whoever it is that she was going to be. Okay. For for your life, essentially. For my life. Would you trade? I don't know. But I think about it every day. And I think long and hard. And I've never reached a conclusion. I am grateful for the breath of my lungs. For a life full of love and wonder. For my children for my incredible wife. I am thankful every single day for those things. I regret and resent the position that women are put in to take things on alone and that we have built a society that makes them feel isolated in those moments. And I wish my mother had the opportunity to be whoever she was going to be. I, I wish that every single day. And I'm thinking about it a lot this week. Mother's Day is coming up and it's always something that's on my mind. Had she made that decision and I existed in some form of consciousness celestially, right? I would like to think that I would cheer for her for the rest of her days. To me, this is not something that is about to me, this is binary choice. It, it it's not at all, and the idea that anybody would be concrete in their footing, ten toes down, about how they feel about this is something that I can empathize with. But at the same time, <clears throat> I want pastors out there to ask themselves how many abortions have taken place within their church family, because their church family is afraid for that pastor to find out that they got pregnant. Yep. I want them to ask themselves that question, and I'm afraid that they are not. I'm afraid that the system of judgment that we've created actually facilitates the thing that 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 a lot of these people think that they're they're fighting against. And at the end of the day, at some point in human history, women should have the ability to make decisions and legislate for themselves. And I do believe people when they present the what if, that if this affected men in the way that it affected women, we would not be having this debate. I believe that. There's a tweet that said that if uh, that if men had to carry b babies, that there would be abortion clinics uh, on the corner of, um, of 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 every corner. And do you know how we know that's true? How? Medicare covers erectile dysfunction pumps. Medicare. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But then won't cover some birth control uh, and stuff too either. Um, yeah, we built we 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 built a system for ourselves, and it has served us well. But in this area, it is time to. Yep. Um, 
relent and and i and i'm afraid i am genuinely afraid of what it looks like from here on out because there are going to be some very passionate people on a multitude of sides of this um with the opportunity for it to get very loud potentially yep. violent for sure and i'm not going to be in a contest of contem con condemnation i don't think anybody should be the only thing that you can control is how good you are to the people around you in your life and nothing about condemnation serves anybody in the long run you always have to have a plan to come alongside somebody help them and if you're not in a position to help then shut up yeah exactly go get help exactly i don't know um <laughs> uh, you guys that's reister or wrong i'm george reister he's ralph amsden peace out catch you guys later If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.